Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Happy to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, where sports meets that thing called life. I am always honored and privileged to have Mr. Gene Waldron on the broadcast with me. Gene Waldron coming to you from Syracuse Orange Basketball History, and he has come back into our community over these years. He continues to help people, train people, live in that basketball world. He's done a tremendous job in the community to pay it forward. He has been wonderful in the history of Syracuse University and in Syracuse and upstate New York. And more than anything else, personally for me, I get to call him a friend. And uh, beyond that, you know, a brother. And as I always say, when Gene comes on, we're not brothers, we're brothers. So because Gene's always got that, got that, that down, downstate New York accent that, that I love. So Jeannie's here with us this morning to speak on Syracuse then and now. Mr. Waldron, how we doing? Pretty good. You know, today is uh, it's about 37 degrees. So we got a heat wave because these last couple of days, boy, it was so cold. Very, very cold. But other than that, doing okay. Now, I just have to tell you, Dan, don't, you, you're going to have to just mind if my dogs start barking because you know how they are. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> so I, I do know how the dogs are uh, for sure. And, and I know that, uh, I know that you're a big fan of your dogs, big fan of having dogs in the house. And, and so am I as well. Uh, share with everybody that, <clears throat> that, that doesn't know, cause I want to shout them out. They shout themselves out during the broadcast usually, but uh, give, give us what type of dogs you have and their names. Cause I, I know how much I love Lily. So I want a little do, I want to do a little dog shout out today. Okay, so I have Denali. Denali is a pit chow chow mix. He's seven years old. He's about 75 pounds. And then you have the missus over here, Holly, who's about 120 pounds. She's a great Pyrenees Alatonian shepherd. She's, she tries to rule uh, the house, but I'm the boss. <laughs> well, are you the boss or Mrs. Waldron? Oh, you're, oh, shh, shh, don't say that too loud. Yes, Mrs. Wilson, my wife is the boss. I, I, I said that wrong. <laughs> Jeannie, we always know that you're eating good in the house. What's been, you know, you and I uh, didn't talk during the uh, during the holidays. We didn't have you on the show here around Christmas time and whatnot. So I know that there's certain things that my family makes that my dad and I do together, my mom and I do together. What does uh, Mrs. Waldron, what does she make for Christmas time? Is there a special dessert? Is there a special main dish that she puts out there? What's Christmas like in the Waldron house? Well, you know what? This, this past Christmas, we had we had actually had prime rib. And then she makes something called as a twice-baked potato. Oh, my. I mean... It's a, it, it, you, you definitely want to put on a few pounds eating that, but that's what we have. But normally she buys tons and tons of cookies, knowing that I'm not supposed to eat all that, but she buys them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this past Christmas, we did, we, we had a prime rib. For, we had prime rib, um, but it was, it was good. We had a good time. I had the grandson here. The dogs had a little, had a little taste, but you know, my wife, she's all over the place in terms of how she cooks. You know, one day she'll do this and one holiday she'll do that. She she always likes to change it up, which is pretty good. Yeah. And, and I know that, uh, you know, I mean, you you shared on your social media, you know, eating healthy as well as taking care of your body, working out. 
I appreciate that you tagged me in it. It's a constant uh, inspiration for so many of us out there. Just what you could say about that, because not only, I mean, we're here in January, it's January 23rd at the time we're talking. Some people have already given up on their New Year's resolutions. Some people are retooling them, they're restarting them or whatever that may be. So I, I think the the one thing is, and I know this from my own quest of you know being healthy and doing certain things is that when you want to do it it takes three weeks 21 days my favorite number to create a habit and you can destroy that habit in an instant so my my question to you gene is number one how do you get yourself motivated and two how do you stay motivated because i think people focus on okay i got to get off the couch i got to eat better i got to work out but there's that like i'm going to do it on monday and then not do it for seven months so how do you do it initially? And then more importantly, how do you stay consistent with taking care of yourself? Well, for, for me, it was, I had to, I had to change the way I was, I had to actually change the way I was living. I mean, because at one point when I started this journey over two years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, I was close to 250 and I was just eating terrible. Um, and then I decided that, you know, I have to change the way that I'm eating and, 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 and get my health together because, you know, I've got some health, you know, I got, I'm tight too. Um, you got cholesterol. My cholesterol was a little bit off. You know, I went to go see my doctor. He's like, you, you got to start changing the way you live. He said, you ain't that, you know, you're not running up and down that court anymore. So I just made a commitment to myself my wife and I, we both made commitments to ourselves that we were just going to get healthy. And once you start and you start to see the results, you really don't want to stop. Um, and, and I, I make a, a, a point to go on the days that I don't want to go. That also helps me that I go on the days that I really don't feel like it. And I push myself to go, but once you start and get into a routine, because at the end of the day, to give yourself at least a chance at living better, you gotta you gotta exercise. But for me, it really starts in the kitchen. You know, that's where it really starts. I mean, you can exercise all day, but if you're not doing what you have to do in the kitchen in terms of the way that you eat, it, you know, you're just gonna be you're just gonna fail. So I, I I've been really focused on you know making sure. I do what I have to do in the kitchen, you know, and I, I have my treat days. There's days that, you know, I have, uh, you know, some stuff that I ain't supposed to eat, but, you know, it's moderation. And like this morning, I got up at 630 this morning, went to the YMCA, swam about 50 something lengths. Now I came home and ready to do this interview. Yeah, you know, and and I just I love seeing it. And like I said, it's so inspiring to go out there and to do things to help yourself and to, you know, have a positive mindset and to have that love and that want to. I, I think, you know, we live in a society, in a microwave society, where if it's not, you know, if you throw it in the microwave and it's not done in a minute, you know, my career needs to be ready in a minute. My love life needs to be ready in a minute. And then people get mad about the minute. Oh my gosh, I got to wait a minute. Oh my gosh. Well, how much time is that? 52 seconds. Oh my God. How much time is that? 47 seconds. What am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? That's how we're. That's how we're living right now. People, I mean, it's like, oh, I need it right away. Oh, it's not. It's not a quick fix. Sometimes you have, you have to go through the journey. Right, and that's and that's the thing though is like the journey is what makes you who you are. It makes the man the man, the woman the woman. Like to me, if you're not going through the journey, Gene, you know, if it's just like, oh yeah, take this pill or go have 
liposuction or whatever that may be, or get some Botox in here. I, I feel like we're putting all this stuff onto us instead of just doing the work and, and we're cutting corners. We're, we're essentially going to class, taking a test on the book, but we read the cliff notes. We never act in the spark notes. We never read the actual book. So even if we passed the test, we didn't learn anything from the book. And I think that that's something we need to focus on. Absolutely. I totally agree. So Gene Waldron here. Speaking of the book, you told me back in the day, and I was actually talking to a buddy about this last night. I said, why does Syracuse not run offensive plays? As I had said last year during Bayheim, the last few years during Bayheim, I said, why don't they run plays? And you joked and you said, when you played back in the 80s, you said we didn't have plays back then. So <laughs> when you look at when you look at this game and uh, we look at the most recent matchup, the buzzer beater against Miami at home in the Dome, with Judah Mintz, there's 18 seconds left. He's dribbling, dribbling. He's at the top of the key. You can hear this like sound throughout the entire dome that was all in unison of this like cheering, kind of like mid-range cheering. They don't want to be too loud. They want him to be able to hear, but they're still excited. Then we got down to eight seconds, and the cheering turned into like more of a confusion of what is this man doing. And, and, then, and then they go to the right. Then he goes to the right. Quadir Copeland was, if you're if you're looking at the or if you're looking at the basket, Quadir had come kind of toward the left side of the free throw line, and then when Juna goes out right, then we see Quadir fade back. Judah goes off to the side. You're thinking, what is this man going to do? He turns and launches this ball above everybody else's head. Cues there. He bangs the three at the buzzer. Bring me into that moment for you having had all of your excitement and all of your special moments. The Dome opened back in 1980, so you got to open the Dome and celebrate that with everybody. So what was this moment like this time around when you watched this game in the Dome? Well, it actually brought back really great memories, especially back for me, you know, how, how the Dome was in terms of the atmosphere back in the 80s. The crowd was really into the game, getting... Uh, it was just a, a great atmosphere, and I also, when you look at that play, it was a broke, it was a broken play. I mean, because Judah was supposed to get to the basket, but they really did a good job defensively, and he did a great job of finding Copeland open, and what a great shot! But I believe that you know, looking at that, it looked like it was a broken play to me. But the atmosphere was just phenomenal. You look at these last couple of home games that Syracuse had; the atmosphere, the atmosphere has been phenomenal, and I hope it continues why do you think the atmosphere has been like that i mean obviously uh, at the time that we're talking right now and they have a game day today against florida state at seven o'clock and we'll see you all in the dome uh, today january 23rd but before this game they're 13 and 5 they have you know a, a situation where they now have a winning record in in the uh, acc play so they've been up and down with that so they got a winning record in the acc they won 13 of 18 games in Adrian Autry's first season as a head coach. Is it simply that? Is it simply the fact that they haven't lost a game in the Dome that fans are starting to show up? Why do you feel like the atmosphere in the Dome, because I agree, why do you feel like the atmosphere in the Dome is starting to feel like it used to feel back when I was a kid, back when you were playing? Why do you think that that's happening? Well, I, 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 also, I have to believe that, you know, it's a new era. You know, Coach Bayham is not there anymore. We got a new coach. Uh, I think I, I would like to believe that, you know, everybody's behind uh, Autry. 
and you know they want to give him a chance to show what he can do but also you know this was this was a long time coming and um i i think you know this is something new to the fans and and they're pretty excited about it but you know how syracuse fans could get real quick yeah so yeah yeah <laughs> yes 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 and and that's i mean i i think I think seeing in, in this game, I mean, simply this one, talking about the one against Miami, it, it did feel like that. It was the first time where the students are back from vacation. So they had been gone for a month. And so seeing them come, which always makes me, it, it's like bittersweet because the Beville Bees band is so good. So when like they're there during the vacation time, I love seeing them there. I love listening to them. And then, you know. They are, right? They're really good. <laughs> and so, I mean, when they're there, it's awesome. But then they leave and you're like, okay, but that means the students are coming back. But you still miss the bees, who, by the way, are now going out to LeMoyne and doing LeMoyne games. And men's and women's basketball has been absolutely awesome to uh, to see them out there playing there. And and uh, so I got to I actually got to see them uh, again after after all of this. So, I mean, when you look at you look at that atmosphere, you look at the dome, you go back to you opening up the dome. You played back, you know, 1980, 81 was your first season. So bring me back. Bring me into those moments. I mean, you got to do something that is so unique that will never be done again, which is opening the doors to the dome, having fans see basketball in the dome. You leave Manly Fieldhouse, you go to the Carrier Dome at the time and you start off this basketball world that is where we are today. What was that? I mean, obviously in the moment, you didn't know that in the moment, you didn't know what this was going to mean. You didn't know if the building was still going to be here all this time later, but to reflect on it now, what is it like to be a part of the team that ushered in the dome and ushered in the atmosphere and ushered in everything that people have now come to know historically that you and your teammates started this? You know what, I remember, I can always remember my freshman year, and I was, like, really excited about playing in the Carrier Dome. Um, and I'll never forget this. In my, I think it was our first home game, and we were running out, and I tripped, and and I, I tripped, and I knocked, and some of the players <laughs> fell, too. And they were really begging at me because everybody saw like three players fall to the floor. And after the game, they put me in the cold shower because I tripped all the, the a couple of upperclassmen. But you know that atmosphere. When you look at these last couple of games, the atmosphere is just phenomenal. It almost feels like back in the Big East, not quite, but somewhat. Um, but you you knew what the atmosphere was going to be back back in our day because you know you didn't have social media. Everybody was tuned into the game, where sometimes, you know, last year um, you, you would go to some of the games and everybody was just on their phone, you know, and no one's really was paying attention to the game. This is the most I've ever seen the fans be excited and enthusiastic and into the game for years. And, you know, and I think that's a good thing. If they can keep that momentum, you know, people are going to be afraid to come and play in the carry dome because back in my day, People were afraid, teams were afraid to come to play in the carry dome because the fans, student section, they were out of control. And you need to be to get, you know, to back your team sometimes. Yeah, you know, and, and I want to go back to the first moment 
November 29, 1980, a crowd of 15,685 came to the Carrier Dome to see Syracuse basketball face Columbia. Do you remember that? I wish I could. Well, <laughs> I, do, I, do, I do know that. We didn't lose. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we go back and you look at you look at that and then you come to the time that we're at now and Adrian Autry and, and how do you, I mean, this is, this is a brother. This is a member of the, the Syracuse team forever. There's something to be said. And, and I've witnessed it from talking to you and, and countless others that have played Syracuse basketball, just what this brotherhood is and how it's connected and, and how it spans the test of time. So to see one of your family members, one of your brothers, coaching the team in Adrian Autry. This is the first time he's ever been a head coach. He told me many years ago when we were doing a show together side by side, he said, you know, I want to be a head coach. That's always been the plan. And to see him now in his first season at Syracuse, how do you feel he's doing as far as how he carries himself, how he's coaching during the game, how he is in the press conference? When we look at the Adrian Autry factor what are your thoughts on his first season for a brother in the family of Orange history? I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. But, you know, you can also see some of Coach Beheim ways in him. You know, a player make a mistake, boom, you're out. You're on the bench. You know, you, you can see some of Coach Beheim in him. Um, and I'm excited at the fact that, you know, he's trying to do it his way. Um, you still see the zone a little bit. Um, you still see that, you know, you make a mistake sometimes. He, he's right to that bench and he, you're out the game. But I also I also go to these games and I'm I'm looking for Coach Bayheim to come out that tunnel, you know. I, I'm still, you know, looking for him to, to be on that bench, you know, because, I you know, I played for that man for four years and, you know, he, he, he's been – a really good person to me through 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 my through the years, but to see what Autry's doing right now, you got you have to respect it and and appreciate it and and back him one hundred percent. And like you said, it's bittersweet. It's different uh, not having Jim Beheim on the sidelines somewhere that he was for forty seven years. How have how have you kind of gone through this transition? Like you said, it's it's strange, but. I mean, he was your coach. He was Adrian's coach. He was felt like he was everybody's coach. So, you know, when when you look back on your time with him and you look back on all the time that he's been at Syracuse overall, how have you? I mean, do you go into the dome and do you get emotional? Do you kind of keep yourself from looking at the bench sometimes? I mean, how have you personally kind of moved forward from saying like he he's really not there like this wasn't a Bayheim switcheroo. This wasn't a media thing. This wasn't a joke. This wasn't a, yeah, I said I'm going to, but I'm not really going to. How, how have you handled the fact that he actually isn't there? Well, you know, I was telling somebody just the other day that, you know, I, I at times still get a little sad. I mean, you think about what that man done from, for Syracuse in the community and what he's done at one school will never, ever, ever, ever be duplicated. Never. You know, and sometimes, you know, this, like I said to you just a minute ago, I, you know, I, I was a little sad the other day. was telling you, wow. And in the last couple of games that I've gone to, I'm looking, I'm looking even in the stands to see, is he here somewhere? You know? Yeah. But 
you know, and, it's, and I'm imagining it's got to be hard for him not to be there when he was there for all those years, you know. So, um, but respect to him, though, you know, what he's done at Syracuse in the community. How could you dare, anybody dare, say one bad thing about that man? And you know what? I see stuff sometimes on social media. I will never let anybody talk bad about Coach Behan. It won't happen. And well, I tell people, I said, watch your mouth because I'll come after you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I mean, you and I have not always agreed, you know, game to game in maybe some of the things that he chose to do or whatever that may be. And so schematically, we might say, hey, we don't agree with this, but we've never disrespected him as a person or talk down about him as a person, we might have said, hey, this is what we look at or, you know, a little bit of critical thinking, constructive criticism, whatnot, that we would look at things. But there's people out there so much hate last year, which really this was something that I never thought I would hear in the Dome. I know fans get angry. I know, they, I know they've been rude to players. I know that I've seen it firsthand with players that I'm very close with. But last year, and I think it was the student section, at least it was young kids if they weren't students at Syracuse. And they multiple times last season yelled out, and I'm not going to say the word because it's a family show, but they said, F you, Bayheim. And I just remember sitting there going, you're like 18, 19 years old. This man has put Syracuse on the map. He arguably could could be right now, maybe to a lot of people without question, the reason why the majority of people around the world know about Syracuse, the reason why the NBA and knows about Syracuse. Right. Yeah. So knowing what he's done for the community and knowing how he's put Syracuse on the map, and I can't go anywhere in this world without somebody stopping me and being like, if they see me wearing Syracuse when I was working at Disney, and my name tag said Syracuse, New York. And I would literally just be walking into Hollywood Studios and somebody would walk up to my right and go, Cuse in the house. And, and, you know, and so you just, I mean, you think about all that and you think about what he's done. I mean, love him or not love him, you know, be a fan of him or not be a fan of him, be frustrated with him or appreciate and respect him. Jim Beheim has been an integral part of not Syracuse University, of not Syracuse basketball, but Syracuse, New York's community being known to the world. And so win, lose, or draw, I think people need to really understand and reflect on the fact that people know my hometown. They know all about Syracuse because of a guy like Jim Beheim. And I think that that's the biggest part of it all is that when you're from Syracuse, there's five Syracuse cities I think there's five in the in the United States, five or seven. Nobody knows Syracuse, Kentucky. Nobody knows Syracuse, Illinois. Nobody knows Syracuse, Kansas, for the most part. If you hear Syracuse, it's New York. And I think you got to give, if you don't want to put respect on his name for anything else, you got to respect the man that, like, he put my hometown in a place where I don't think I can go anywhere in the world to any nook or cranny where people don't know Syracuse, if I say it. I was actually in Fort Myers over the summer on vacation with my wife and I had a Syracuse shirt on and the number of people that came up to me, I mean, and, and then it got to a point where I was like, I, I can't put this shirt on anymore. People just keep talking to me. I just want to have a good time. My wife is like, don't wear that shirt no more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody, you see that Syracuse, 
Um, and it, it's a testament to Coach Payheim, full stop. Yeah. No, it is. And and it's funny because you said that when I was down in St. Pete and my favorite beach in the world up to this point. And uh, so I was down at St. Pete. I was with my parents. We were on vacation and we're down in St. Pete, Florida. And there's a bunch of people playing volleyball at the hotel we were staying at. So I walked over to them and I was wearing a Syracuse shirt. And and they said, they said, hey, man, what's your name? I said, Dan. They said, where are you from? And I pointed my shirt. And they're like, all right, cool. And then they said, you any good at this? I'm like, ah, I feel like I'm, you know, I'll try. I feel like I'm all right. And uh, and so I went over to play with them and I'm doing some things and I like do one thing. I do another thing. They're like, yeah, man. They're like, you know what? We're going to call you with all due respect. If it's OK with you, we're going to call you Syracuse. So I'd be I'd be running after the ball and they're like, get it, Syracuse. That's what I'm talking about, Syracuse. So I was representing the entire community on a volleyball court at St. Pete because I wore a Syracuse T-shirt that day. So how about that? <laughs> you know, but it's it's moments like that, Gene, where I think, you know, like I said, whether people are critical, overly critical or whatever it may be about Jim Beheim. Number one, I mean, I think there's two things we need to take away from this many things, but let's talk about these two. The man's got thick skin. Number one, that man's got, that man's, that man's skin is Kevlar. So he's got some, he's got some thick skin. And then the other part of it is love him, love him or don't like him. I mean, like I said, you know, that you, everybody living in Syracuse, coming from Syracuse, family in Syracuse, businesses in Syracuse, whether you want to admit it or not, y'all, I mean, you kind of, you know, in a way, at the very least, if you see him in the airport, you should walk up to him and say thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Because behind that thick skin is a man who's caring, understanding, and always looking out. Always. You know, and, and you and I talked about this, speaking here with Gene Waldron, Syracuse Orange basketball alum, that when you were going through your hard times and you're going through things as a player, you were going through things as a young man, you were going through things, you know, beyond your time at Syracuse. You told me that Bayheim was one of the people there for you. He was one of the people trying to help you take care of yourself, get better, that he was a phone call you could make, that he was a person you could talk to. When you and I did that Thanksgiving special so many years ago about the adversity you've had in your life, you told me very emotionally that Jim Beheim was always there for you. Always, always. I mean, and you know, you, you have to be grateful to have people like that in your life. You know, and people see a side of him that they don't, that they don't know. There's a side of him that so many people don't know. They see the coaching, but they don't see him as the person, how caring and helpful and understanding he is, you know, but the, you know, the one thing about him, he's going to tell it to you straight. He did it to me. <laughs> he told it to me, he told it to me straight though. <laughs> no. And that's, I mean, and that's the thing, right? They say that the people that love you the most, you don't want yes men in your life. You want, you want somebody who's going to, who's going to tell you what's up, who's going to be, I mean, Gene and I, I think we, if we didn't already know this about our friendship, I think that you and I both know that we are honest people because when we were having that food tasting thing, you and I would look at each other and Gene would go, no, no, no. And one time he picked up the dish and he goes, I'm not even going to let you try this. I, he's like, I'm not, 
I'm not going to let you try it. I'm not going to let you eat it. He goes, look at me, like, just look at me, understand it wasn't good. Let's move on. And then, you know, and we would, I mean, I would look at Gene and I would be like, he'd be like, what you want to give it? I'm like, man, we, we got until 10 and he was like, all right. And I said, I was like six. And he's like, and he looked at me and I was like, I really want to give it a four. And he's like, then that's what you should give it. <laughs> so like, you know, tell you what, Dan, that was that that was some fun. But boy, some of that food, it, I mean, some of it was good, but, you know, it was a lot of sweet, but we had a great time. That was a great day. Yeah, it was. We had a we had a great time. We got to be the you know, in this uh, this food truck battle out at the New York State Fairgrounds. We had the opportunity to vote and uh, to be out there trying this food and telling you uh, what we what we think. And some of the food was really good. And other times, Gene and I were like, you know, where's the bathroom? So <laughs> I, tell you what, I, I was really, I, I really appreciate Pat, you know, having me out there. That that was really fun. Her, her, truck, her truck was really good, too. She had some th- different types of food, but it was really good. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, and, and Pat Orr of PB&J's Lunchbox, a longtime partner of Wake Up Call, with Dan Tortora, they have a food truck that goes literally all around the community in central and upstate New York through the winter. They literally don't stop. You think food truck time is from April to August? No, her time is all the all the year, all twelve months of the year. They're constantly doing stuff in the community. They have a cafe, a standalone restaurant on six six three Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York. So you can go to the food truck or you can go to the cafe. You can get their food all year long. They can come out to see you. You can go out to see them. But, yeah, their food is great. It looked the part, really tasty, really nice. So I'm happy that you brought up, Pat, because PB&J's Lunchbox always does a great job. I would I would tell anybody, you want some really good food, Pat, or you got to find where she's at. You got to. You yeah. have to find where she's at. I, I was actually, and she's actually a character. She's pretty funny as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she is. She definitely, she definitely got that energy. She's got that spunk, and they, yeah. and you see that in the restaurant, six six three Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York, PB and J's Lunchbox. I much love to you, Pat. Hope you're doing well. So you know, and and I implore everybody to go out and visit her, like Gina and I do. Looking at the team this season. As we're as we're breaking it down, as we're looking at this team, play some zone, play some man, do some things that we haven't seen in a really long time. Some things that nobody's ever seen. Having a Quadier Copeland who told me in Greensboro when they lost last season in the ACC tournament, he said, "I didn't come here to play the two. I came here to play the one. I'm a point guard." And so he wanted to get more involved. We're seeing his involvement. We're seeing how he has been playing point guard, even with other guys in there. Judah, JJ, that backcourt and what that looks like. Underneath what that's looked like, they don't have a true center on the team. They're rotating guys in and out. Benny Williams has been in and out of it this season with different issues that have been going on off the court. I mean, when we look at the grand scheme of things from is Benny Williams going to play or not to not having a center to having three guys that can bring the ball up to all these other pieces and elements like the Chris Bells and the Malik Browns of the world. How do you assess the team up to this point? I think it's a team who's actually finding its, it's finding its, finding its way right now. Um, I, I think Copeland brings a lot to the table. I think he actually brings them together. 
I also believe that JJ is really starting to find his shot where I think early in the season he wasn't able to do that. And uh, the confidence is there. Uh, Judah's really starting to play the point a little bit better. Um, but um, I think he has to start to do that throughout the game because um, I, I think towards the end of the game, he looks to try to take over, for me, a little bit too much opposed to like doing what he's been doing early in the game. I really like uh, Brown. Brown is really good defensively. I mean, this guy, he's got to be close to leading the country in steals. Him and Copeland, they got to be up there. But they also play great man-to-man defense. Uh, I think Ben's starting to find his way. And that's what's going to be important. Those guys have to come together because they're a young team. They come together, play together, pull for each other. Anything is possible with this team because the talent, is, there's no question the talent is there. And everybody has to play their role. You play your role the right way, listen to coach, anything is possible. And I, I think they're starting to find a way. But tonight's going to be a big test for them. Yeah. You know, when you look at, before I let you go, Gene, when you look at the backcourt, you played in the backcourt, you know what it's like to be a guard on Syracuse and wear that across your chest. J.J. Starling, Kyle Cuff, Quadier Copeland, Judah Mintz, we've seen all those guys in there this season. What are your thoughts as we break them down individually from, from Cuff to Starling to Mintz to Copeland? Give me your thoughts on each of these guys and what they bring to the team, what their, what their piece of this team is. Well, I think I think Cuff for starts. I think he brings some good energy. I think he plays deep, plays really good defense. He can get to the basket. You know, his shot is pretty good. But I think the one thing about him when he comes into the game, he brings some really good energy defensively. And Judah, Judah can get to the basket at any time he wants. But I think at times he has to be just see what's see what's in front of him before he goes because with his talent he he's um i'm sure he believes he could just just go and get to the basket at any time i don't know about his jump shot it's a little suspect but at times it goes in um copeland is just phenomenal he just he can do it all uh, for me i mean he's but i think i'm gonna say he's about six five six six he rebounds he passes the ball he's got charisma he's got a lot of energy um and i think he lifts the team up a lot and i think that's really important and for me jj has is playing with no fear um he gets in he gets in the lane quite a bit i would like to see him get to the free throw line a, a little bit more um this this past game you know his shot was really on but i would like to see him get to the basket a little bit more and get to the free throw line but overall if i had to put all those in and, and, and grade all of them together i'd give him a b plus yeah you know and I, and i and i can understand that right b plus right below an a minus uh, letting this team learn and, and seeing, and so like you said, seeing some of these things, they're growing, they're trying to find their place, they're trying to find their footing. So giving them a B plus is saying, hey, you're getting better. You're doing some good things. You haven't completely kind of figured it out yet. And, you know, you have to constantly kind of grow with that. But I can agree with that. I can agree with a B plus. I think J.J. Starling seeing his shot get better uh, Quadier Copeland really seeing him be the catalyst and come into himself. I would argue that he's the guy right now. And then, he is the guy. yeah. And so you hear a lot of people say, um, 
he should be starting over Taylor. I, I totally disagree with that. I believe Taylor should be starting and Copeland should be continue to come off the bench because that spark come off the coming off the bench is something that, that you need. And even if, if Taylor's even though if Taylor's not shooting no shooting okay, he's still a big body in that he's still a big body in that game and he still looks for a shot. So he's still a threat. And the more he gets more confident and that shot starts to drop and then he comes out and you bring Copeland in, now you've got a little bit more than what you had. So I I, 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 I think Copeland should continue to come off the bench because you need that spark. Well, you know, I know that they're different players, but there was a guard that came off the bench years ago and his name was Dion Waiters and that seemed to work out all right. So, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Q has definitely been awesome. I think Judah, uh, can he's got to continue to, learn leadership. He's got to continue to, you know, show that he can be a point guard. I think the whole street ball side of it and his ability to score going to the NBA, everybody can do that. So I think he's got to show more with the decision-making, the leadership and, uh, and all of that. And then I think we can maybe see the evolution of Judah, but I need to see some more of him. Cause right now I think Quadir Copeland is the guy, like you said. Yeah, he definitely, he definitely is the guy. And he brings the team together. I mean, after that Miami game, and I was in the locker room, you could just see the enthusiasm that he has. And him bringing, that, bringing the team together, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, and I, right, it's, it's like perfect timing because I was like, all right, so, you know, we talked about a bunch of stuff. Looking forward to talking to Gene soon. And just like the Emmy Award music, the dogs are kind of calling you off the stage. So uh, would that be a <laughs> run through our backyard? Yeah. And she's very protective. I thought, but I'm not going to let her out. I don't know what it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, she definitely, you know, she's definitely hungry for sure. She's looking for something out there. But with that being said, you know, it's funny how we're talking about the dogs. Q being one of the dogs out there for SU. We're hearing the dogs barking. Gene Waldron always out there uh, hunting for good talent. And Gene, let everybody know how they can connect with you now. Because like I said, you're doing so much work in the community. So just how people can connect with you today. Well, I'm at the Beeville Y in uh, Baldwinsville, the YMCA there. I do personal training, one-on-one personal training. I give I give my skills to to the kids and help them get better. And it's not always about basketball because sometimes, you know, after I go through the personal training, we sit down and we just talk about mindset, how you're doing in school, how you, you know, things that you need to do to be successful at home, how you should be treating people. And I think all those things are important. How you doing, you know, make sure your grades are right. All those things are important. So when I do my personal training, it's not just about basketball. And I think that's important. Yeah. You know, and I think, like you said, you know, training and, and the quote for our show where sports meets life and you describe in that, you know, going beyond basketball and training and helping people to really be good people and positive people contributing to our community. As always, Mr. Waldron, I appreciate you. You are family to me. And so I look forward to seeing you soon and uh, doing some other great things in the community together as we've always had the pleasure of doing so. But the conversation's great. It always flies by. And uh, I appreciate you so much. And that's when you know it's real when it flies by. That's right. I was like, I feel like I was just like, hey, let's welcome Gene. Well, all right, Gene, I will talk to you later. So, <laughs> so. <laughs>
Thank, thanks for everything as always, Gene, and I look forward to seeing you soon. All right, Dan. Take care. Have a good day, bud. All right, you too. Be good. Say hi to the bye. family. Got it. Bye. See you.